It's March 22nd, 2010, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. I apologize for the delay in getting this latest episode out. I've been feeling under the weather for the last few weeks, but now that my energy level is back up, we're back with a great new show. Before we begin, I want to thank all of you who have been kind enough to leave me messages about what the show means to you and your photography. I always enjoy hearing from listeners that what I do every couple of weeks is making a difference. And for those of you who took the time to make a small donation to the show, thank you as well. If you are part of this group of people who look forward to each new episode, I hope that you will take the time right now to make a small donation by visiting the blog and clicking on the donation button. Even the most modest donations help a great deal in being able to offset the cost of the show. Today's guest is Natalie Dibish, a.k.a. Miss Aniela, a photographer whose career began posting images on Flickr. In a few short years, she has not only become one of the most popular photographers on the service, but she has gained an international reputation as an up-and-coming photographer whose images, largely self-portraits, have inspired many conversations as well as some moments of controversy. It's always exciting to speak to an emerging photographer, particularly those who are traveling an uncommon path to creating their careers. I I think you'll find, as I did, that the work is not only fascinating and thought-provoking, but it also serves as a great inspiration for what's possible with just a simple camera and a lot of imagination. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Natalie Dibbett. Natalie, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and have an opportunity to talk to you about your work. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. A lot of your work is primarily self-portrait, and that's always been historically a big tradition in photographic circles. How did you come to decide to use yourself as a photographic subject? Was it a matter of convenience or or something else? Uh, I think a mixture of all kinds of things, really. I've had um, a lot of, I I mean, I've been asked this question lots of times, so I've had lots of opportunities to think exactly about all the different reasons why I ended up doing so many self portraits. Um, it started off definitely as uh, a kind of spontaneous thing. I think it was looking back at a case of me wanting to take pictures by myself completely independently without anybody else's intervention. Um, so I think that was the main thing that made me go and take pictures of myself. But as I started to produce more and more, I think I liked how the work was so personal in having yourself in the image and the final image was you know, completely yourself without compromise to any other model or anybody else. And I think um, as I've gone on, I've started to go further and think about the implications of, um, I suppose, just having complete control over over the image and um, what you could do with that image in terms of expressing yourself autobiographically and expressing your own messages. So, yeah, a variety of reasons. And I've certainly looked at other people's self-portraits for a long time on, on, on Flickr, at least, um, and other places. And, and that they've got their own reasons for doing self-portraits as well. That I've been always interested to hear about. Photographers are notorious for not liking being in front of the camera. 
whether, <laughs> whether it's an issue of being, you know, being incredibly self-critical or, or, or something else. But how much is being in control uh, allow you to feel comfortable in front of the camera? Um, yeah, I think it's a, a definitely a big part. I think um, part of not liking being photographed by somebody else is um, just having maybe somebody viewing you through the photographic process um, and somebody kind of looking at you and feeling, I don't know, maybe like a bit intimidated by that gaze of somebody else. Um, like when I'm taking pictures of myself, uh, obviously there's lots and lots and lots of pictures that I just don't work and that are terrible and I look at them and I cringe or I feel, oh my God, look at myself on that picture. But there's that I don't have to show anybody those pictures because it's only me seeing them so I can put them away in a folder or even delete them if I wanted to. I think there's a part of the performance that, that intimidates people being photographed. But with self-portraits, you're only performing to yourself. So it's a private little world. Um, and then when you're happy with a certain picture and then you can do things with that picture if you wish in processing. And then when you're finally happy with it, you're presenting this, not necessarily idealized, but this this image of yourself that you're happy with to, to then show and release to others. Um, so it can be a very empowering experience. It doesn't have to be... Uh, you know, kind of like um, it doesn't have to have the self-consciousness that you might have with somebody else photographing you. And I think that's why a lot of people like to do it. Body image is is a big thing for, for our, you know, our gender, generations that are living currently, both male and, mm-hmm. and female. Did you experience any sort of difficulties in getting over your own sense of, of, of body image as a result of creating these, these photographs? Um... I think, I mean, sometimes, well, a lot of the time, I'm taking pictures of myself and maybe certain pictures or even the entire session will just, I look at them and I think, oh my God, you know, um, am I really that skinny or, or ugly or whatever? And and yeah, I mean, definitely it can be, there can be times where you almost feel like a knock in self-confidence, but most of the time it's it's definitely an opportunity to raise your self-confidence because you realize just how malleable and how um, how arbitrary your body image can be, how you can angle it in certain ways, um, angle your body and your face and, and, and look, you know, not that bad or look like many, many different characters. I think that's the main thing. You know, there's some pictures of myself where I look quite kind of buxom and quite kind of um, voluptuous, my body, and then, then the other images where I look very skinny. So it's kind of... Um, for me, because when I was younger, when I was at school, I was kind of, you know, you, you get picked on for whatever you look like. And I was picked on for being very skinny. But through my photography, you know, I, I can be all kinds of different shapes. I mean, probably most of them I look, you know, relatively slim. But um, it was a, it was a way, it's a way for anybody to kind of get over being one thing or another because they can be kind of variety of things in images and they can they don't have to be they can, they can escape those labels I guess labels they might have grown up with as, or or make labels they felt stuck with all their lives and they can kind of bend them um, and make themselves appear as different characters or they could even they could even go you know overboard in Photoshop and and make themselves look completely different if they wanted to I think it's a really interesting creative exercise in terms of body image I've read that Many of your images are based on on your own life, but there seems to be a hyper reality to it. How much of it is is rooted in your actual life, and how much is it about fantasy, or is there a convergence of of the two? Mm, yeah, I think definitely a convergence of the two. 
Um, I think I think it's mainly shown in the example of when you might show my images to my family and they they don't see it as me really they see it as maybe a kind of actress version of me or somebody posing for the camera I, I look different to them um and i think certainly when i look at my images you know they they are they're not really relevant to my life sometimes i have to really try hard if i want to make an image relevant to anything to do with with my actual life like an image i did recent well a few months ago with um lots of mushrooms in the woods and i wanted to do an image that was about my dad who died when i was little and um it was the first time i'd even tried to make that a topic in my work and i realized how little perhaps my self portrait had to do with the real me and maybe they were a bit whimsical and and based on kind of spontaneous props that might have been a form of acting um but but at the same time, you know, the self-portraits, I, I don't think anybody can deny that any art they produce is personal to a certain level, even if they're not self-portraits, because we're expressing what's in our heads and we're expressing our emotions, even if we don't intend to. So, yeah, I think there's definite kind of mix of reality and fantasy. I've always said that I like fantasy and I like um, presenting scenes that are somehow more interesting than real life. But I've never wanted to go as far as to make things look too kind of otherworldly. I've wanted to ground it somewhere in reality, somewhere a line between the two that's more interesting than reality, but but real enough for you to feel as if you could be in the image watching whatever is going on there. You were studying at Sussex University. Did your discovery of photography begin there or did it start happening before then and and was it part of a course assignment that led to the first series of self-portraits or was that happening already um well i've always been like snapping pictures as everybody would do um and then in my gap year just before university i worked in a newspaper and that's when i started to take pictures of other people and enjoy it and people commented that I had a kind of eye for photography and so I started to maybe think about um, my relationship with the camera and whether I wanted to take that further and then when I went to university um, shortly afterwards uh, I was studying English and media so it was a mainly theoretical well mo- well all theoretical degree um, which involved reading novels and, and, and reading mostly theory on media so there wasn't any practical inf- practical stuff involved but there was one little workshop in the first year um which was about photos one kind of one off workshop and that's when i learned about flickr so i went away my later that evening and looked up more about flickr and signed up for an account and and that's when i started to take pictures looking at all the pictures that people were sharing on flickr and the self portraits people were sharing i started to see that self portraits self portraiture was a real genre you know people think a thing that people did and that's when I started taking pictures all in my spare time whilst doing all the reading for my degree. There's there's a look to your images that's very distinctive, which adds to that sort of hyper-reality. Tell me about the process of finding that that approach to the interpretation of those photographs because they, some of the photographs are could be considered just snapshots if they weren't you know, um, massaged in the way that you 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 do it. Um, tell me about discovering that that process. Uh, the process of thinking about an image, or producing of, of the way you interpret it. You know, your post processing in the images, particularly. Mm, well, um, I've always 
what I've said to people when I'm doing presentations about my work is um, is there's kind of maybe three categories into which you could put my work according to how it's produced. The first would be pictures that are almost straight out of camera, um, maybe slightly tweaked with the processing, and the second group might be a mix of both extreme. Um, the third extreme being images that I've um, spent a long time on in Photoshop um, putting together actually in the post-production stage. Uh, to be honest, it really is random as to which uh, which category an image is going to be in. I find I, I'm still finding it quite hard to work to a brief or like an idea. I have lots of ideas in my head, but um, they'll become they'll become kind of like I was going to say mangled, but um, maybe a better word would be kind of like open to spontaneity of the shooting process. I think when you're taking pictures of yourself, you've got to be open to that a little bit because it's so hard to be on both sides of the of the lens. Um, every time you go back in front of the camera, and know your position's changed, so you can't kind of look and observe and tweak as you would if you were shooting somebody else. Um, and the way a shoot turns out for me will be often random or, or, or at least a little bit different from the way I might have planned it. And then I'll take those images onto my computer and... Um, there might be an image that is just that has just worked. Um, it's shape. I, I think the main factor I look for in any picture, whether I'm going to do a lot of processing to it or or hardly any processing, is shape. Um, if there's a shape within the image, you know, uh, overriding all of the factors, overriding the fact that I shoot myself and that I'm a female and that I shoot myself nude sometimes. I think shape in those contexts is what appeals to me most, and it might be a shape that I then go on to. Um, do a lot of work to in Photoshop to reduce the elements around it, or to take that take that element into another context. But um, or it might be an image like some examples I could give you, where the image has largely been composed in camera, and there's a, there's a fascinating sweeping shape running throughout the, the the frame that fascinates me and keeps me fixated on that photograph enough to then um, present it to my audience online. Well, the logistics of photographing yourself can sometimes be very difficult because of issues of, you know, composition and framing. How do you contend with that? Do you have the benefit of an LCD that you're viewing as you're composing the shot and, and you're in front of the camera? Or how does that how does that work? Mm, well, um, in my... The camera I had for, I think, about a year and a half um, that I don't use anymore, but... Uh, I used a Sony R1 camera, which had like a swivel screen, so you could actually turn the screen around, and that helped a lot um, to compose yourself within the frame. Unfortunately, I then learned when I wanted to move on to getting a DSLR that um, there weren't really any cameras that had that feature, and certainly it wasn't a feature that cameras seemed to be incorporating into the, into the design that uh, the manufacturers seemed to be putting with the cameras. So when I got a Canon 40D, and I've now got a Canon 5D Mark II, I'm realizing that that's something I have to wave goodbye to and I have to, you know, use the screen that's firmly fixed on one side of the camera. Um, but either way, it's still it's still difficult. Um, obviously, I've been put back now into the world of not being able to see yourself at all until you go and check the picture. Uh, and it is difficult. I've never, I, I don't really tether my camera to the computer. I tried that maybe once, but... Um, haven't really got myself equipped to that stage, and I think that would involve too much setting up for me as well. I like to just, I like to just get and do, get on and do something spontane- spontaneously, which is sometimes my downfall. But a lot, most of the time, I think that's the way in which I've produced so many images. Um, 
and yeah, it is difficult. And to be honest, sometimes it can be really, you know, um, really uh, frustrating, especially when you kind of feel like you're out of practice, like I felt like I am recently. Um, and when you take yourself portrait again that, that you might not have done for a few weeks and set up the camera and it can, what I tend to do is uh, set up the camera and then go into the frame, literally just kind of, you know, perfunctorily and not, not with much effort. And then just see, review the picture and just see if there's any kind of wisp of promise in, in the frame, something that intrigues me, something that makes me go on. And then I'll kind of go on and hone the composition and keep going back and forth to get myself exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then sometimes I'll, I'll, won't be inspired at all, but I'll still go onto the computer and see what the images look like and see if there's anything that inspires me then. And if not, I'll, you know, forget them and do something else. And if if, well, there is, if if there is something, then I'll I'll work with it. I did a picture the other day actually, uh, which I'm going to be posting on 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 my website in the next couple of days. Well, um, uh, that will be on my website uh, by now. But um, that image, it took so much work in Photoshop to get to the stage it got to in the end that it's actually quite fascinating to look at how I got there because the original image looked so different. It was so hopeless, really. Um, but it's an example of a, a massively blind journey I've taken in the post-production, which to me is really rewarding. It's not the kind of work, I, not the kind of way I want to work every time. Certainly not. But um, it's an example of of what I have identified as a blind journey, where you know something starts off um, hopelessly, really, and something starts off not very looking very auspicious, and then being able to identify a shape within the composition that intrigues me and be able to bend and and as you say massage that into um something that becomes more and more interesting how often are you producing images um i used to produce some a lot more often than i do at the moment i'm trying as a new year's resolution to get uh to, to produce more and more pictures although looking back at 2009 um I did. I did produce on average one image a week, which I realise is good because you know a week goes by pretty fast. And to be able to produce one substantial image in my eyes, um, fine art image, if you want to call it or whatever, um, is is good. Uh, so yeah, one, one image a week was was the average in two thousand nine. So I want to at least match that this year. You have several images um, on your on your site that are multiple versions of yourself within a single frame. Tell me about um, beginning those and what were you exploring with with that type of image? Um, I wasn't... I'm, I'm asked this question a few times and I, I always kind of like, um, again, try and think about all the different reasons why I did it uh, in the same way that I'm thinking about why I did self-portraits at all. And I suppose it is a little bit weird how I started off doing those clone images or multiplicity images as some people call them um right at the beginning and then and then I went into doing single self-portraits where I was just where I just appeared once in the frame but yeah um I think it was mainly an attraction to filling a composition with 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 activity filling it with with busyness um from one end to the other being able to be more than one person in the frame uh, almost like an exercise in composition, an exercise in doing a group shot, but having the control over being every single person in that group. Um, and I think I, I didn't really have like um, necessarily a psychological intention. I, I, I usually say as an explanation, I don't really, I didn't really see that there was necessarily a meaning 
Um, you could certainly take away whatever whatever interpretation you wanted to, but I saw it more as using myself as a kind of mul- multiplied prop, you know, um, bending and, and, and wriggling into all kind of different areas of the frame and providing a kind of almost a symmetry, but not quite, a kind of a pattern, a p- something pleasing to look at. Um, although, you know, you could maybe say that there was subconscious... Um, intention of expressing the different parts to myself or the conflicts within myself or what have you but um i largely enjoyed it because it was it was it was fun and it was visually arresting and it's certainly something i still a technique i still um do with my work i mean i don't i don't do it all the time but i don't want it to be like a never-ending gimmick but i just i want it to be appreciated merely as a technique that works in some contexts and doesn't work in other contexts and i tend to use it a lot more spontaneously now so i might not set up the shot to be a clone image as i would uh, at the beginning i might kind of wantonly take an image of myself and blur it with another image to suggest the kind of splitting of self um but yeah yeah it's, it's something that i i do and, and i've kind of i've got a book um a blurred book which is features all my multiplicity images I thought it would be a good idea to do a book with that categorization because people tend to come to that group of my images you know in particular um, and enjoy the whole theme of clones and I've written a kind of little how to feature on, on how you put those images together which I think people have appreciated because I've had a lot of people asking how to do it even though it is quite simple but I put my kind of tips and tricks in this book um, which is available on blurb I think it was those images that drew a lot of attention to your collection of photographs on on Flickr, Mm, um, leading to millions of hits within a very short time. Were you taken by surprise by the level of attention that these and your other images received? Oh, certainly, yeah. I had no idea of what I was doing, really, and and what it would or could lead to. Um, I just... I'm quite pleased because at the beginning I just did it because I liked it. I didn't do it with any kind of ostensible goal or or even, you know, any notion that this could be a career or a job. Um, I just did it because I enjoyed it, and I think that's the best way to get into it, um, that kind of to, to be driven by the passion or, or however you would say that. Um, so, yeah, I think pe- people... I think one reason why my work might have worked well on Flickr in terms of Atten- um, in terms of getting attention was the fact that they were like I say quite visually arresting um, compositionally so when they were at thumbnail size they were very eye catching and caused people to then click on them and then the, the hits to come rolling in and then everything that ensued so um, and yeah and, and, and having visually stimulating compositions is something I still enjoy and I think that's a general reason why my, why my work is popular on the internet in, in, um, as a medium in particular because of that kind of everything being viewed at small sizes and then every, everything being based on what catches people's eyes. I suspect that a lot of people who look at your images, particularly photographers, look at it from the perspective of, of being a photographer in terms of, okay, that's a very cool look and I wonder how she did it and what kind of camera she used or what yeah. kind of Photoshop technique she used. But I'm more intrigued by the idea of what the response is to your photograph, particularly from women, because the, the you know women have oftentimes been in front of the camera, but often the person behind the camera has been a man. 
So the mm-hmm. perspective is, is, is very, very male, whether the images are sexualized or not. And have you heard much of a response from women in terms of how they've perceived and looked at your photographs? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've noticed that most of my audience seems to be male, whether that's my print buyers or people who interact with me on Facebook, my Facebook page, or um, people who generally comment or, or send me messages uh, or come up to me after presentations. And that's, that, you know, it's fine, but it, it, I do particularly appreciate when women come up to me because that suggestion of a gender balance is something that kind of makes me feel more at ease, I think. Uh, and also because of the reasons you suggest, um, I like to think that women could be, you know, inspired by what I do or inspired by the kind of empowerment maybe or the control that I seize in, in taking pictures of myself. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's really it's really good to be able to hear women's opinions and, and some of the opinions that I have heard from them are kind of in line with what I would hope them to to take from my work, which is kind of like maybe inspiration or um, to, to do th- something like that themselves, to take pictures of themselves. And I, I think um, I've been told anyway by a few other self-portrait artists on Flickr whose work I also admire that they have been inspired by my work to start with which is great um, and recently at a presentation I did uh, here in Brighton I was really pleased to kind of have some feedback from women afterwards and one woman like for example liked what I was mentioning about how my work was blurring the boundaries between um, between conventional conceptual photography that you usually see in galleries and the kind of commercial photography world my work was kind of blurring the boundaries and she liked that that challenge um because she was an artist herself and she was trying to get her work um out there and also felt like she was unfairly judged by this kind of slightly pompous world of conceptual photography or the scene at least that is here in brighton um so yeah i mean it's it's, it's great to hear responses from everybody and, and to have a balance really in gender ideally from from my viewers but um, but yeah, I would definitely like to reach out to to more women. I think just to hear what they think of my work from their point of view, because um, like I say, most of the people who buy my work are male, and um, and I'm really kind of grateful for the support they give me, and they see my work in lots of different ways. So I'm not going to stereotype them in any way, but it would be interesting to to have more female perspectives on my work and to see more women enjoy the work. Um, I don't. I hope that no one is. I would like to think that they are not necessarily threatened by it or feel like I'm somehow presenting this perfect self through some of my airbrushed um, pictures. I've been told by people in the past, um, contacts at companies and things, that they really like me. Would like to see that women see that women can see. I am actually doing something. There is a process to the way I present myself, and that I don't just, you know, click the shutter. It's it's a it's a process that a lot of people can equally enjoy. You've had a lot of opportunities as a result of your your work. Uh, people becoming aware of your work. Uh, I know that one of them included a, a gallery exhibit. Tell me about some of the opportunities that have resulted as a result of of you know all this attention and and increasing audience of your work um i think some of the main ones are uh well kind of in order uh, a bit of a summary of of some of the contact i've made 
through just having my stuff on Flickr, I had uh, an exhibition in Brighton about a year after starting doing the stuff on Flickr. And that exhibition in Brighton led to, you know, publicity and various things. And then um, the publicity from that led to an exhibition in Madrid a year after that. Um, and since the exhibition in Madrid, uh, I've been having, I've been featured at some photo fairs and hopefully exhibiting in Chicago this year. And um, and also have had, a, have, have had more exhibitions in Brighton and also in London. So the exhibition thing has been the main thing that I've, being proud of because that suggests I can kind of carry on making art and and exhibiting and selling it. Along the way also I've had some really good contacts in the photography industry, most prominently starting with Microsoft when somebody on Flickr referred me to their contact at Microsoft and I had a surreal email come through inviting me to come and talk at their ProPhoto Summit and that was in 2008. And I went to Seattle and gave a presentation and that was almost like a kind of job interview in what in the, in its prominence and importance for me as a photographer because it led to some great contacts with um with variety of companies in the photography scene such as blurb um put me put me in a position to go in front of more contacts when i went to speak for microsoft further at photokina and focus on imaging um so i met all kinds of contacts like canon and nikon and um every 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 all, all kinds of things in the photography industry all kinds of all kinds of manner of different photography products that could possibly want to get involved with an artist in terms of sponsorship and, and getting their name seen in return for some great promotion back. Um, and also this, well, uh, this year, well, last year, I, at the end of last year, I got involved with Livebooks, um, the web design company who have made me a new website. Um, and there's quite a few things in the pipeline for this year as well. And it's all, all all stems from the initial exposure on Flickr, but all the stuff that's come as stepping stones away from that as well. So not necessarily overnight success, but some of the things were literally kind of like surprise emails that somebody being in the right place at the right time, or somebody passing your work on to somebody else. So yeah, quite random, but really really interesting to watch it kind of go further and wonder who I'll get an email from next who's randomly seen my work. So yeah, exciting stuff. <laughs> You have this new website that you mentioned with, with the live books. Tell me about that presentation of your work as opposed to, to Flickr. How do you how do you see it? Um, see yourself as using it in terms of not only sharing your work but marketing your work. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's um, it, I mean I've always had a personal website, but this new website is a lot more kind of like I've put a lot more into it. Um, a lot more content, keeping it simple and clean and slick um, but it has kind of more areas giving information about myself and the different kind of facets to what I do from like the prints, the limited edition prints that I sell to the blur books um, to being able to license my work um, and also being able to, be an, an area where you can then access um, images that you might have had done taken by me Um so yeah, I'm really excited about the whole thing. I've also started doing a mailing list uh, so you can sign up and receive announcements on what I'm doing. I'm generally kind of seizing hold of the numbers that I've inadvertently built up through going onto Flickr and enjoying photography and getting those hits. I'm now turning turning around and realising what a kind of um, 
what uh, what an impression I've made on the internet and trying to kind of seize hold of those people and and make more of them in terms of marketing myself, becoming more conscious of maybe the effect I've created and trying to take it further, trying to wield it further, um, especially by the use of sites like Facebook and Twitter and also having people sign up to my mailing list where they can win a prize off me every month, little things like that just so I can be able to connect with people better and um, which will improve communication for for me with my audience as well as give me a, a an ability to you know call upon their support when needed and and to advertise myself and my prints and, and everything that I'm doing um so yeah I'm excited about the new site it's got a new look to it as well kind of a playing card theme which I a plan that kind of hatched in my head and and I think works with with the design of the site um and also, uh, my relationship with Livebooks is hopefully going to be a fruitful one. I've kind of collaborated with them to be able to offer a promo code to people who would like a Livebooks site themselves, because Livebooks offer template sites, so you can have a site that looks and functions like my site um, using a promo code, which is my name, Miss Aniela, uh, which will give you 10% off the price of the, t- the template site or of a custom site. Um, but you can also trial it 14 days for free. So, yeah, just getting in, getting um, into relationships with companies is really rewarding, not just for me and them, but also for my audience and being able to share um, discounts and, and special things with them. And just, yeah, I think 2010 is the year for increasing my connectivity and just generally my marketing and being more interesting to my viewers and giving them something back as well, which feels good. Where are you hoping to go with your photography? Are you, are you desiring to get into getting more into the fine art market, entering sort of commercial advertising work? Where exactly do you see yourself in the next several years? Uh, it's kind of difficult to pinpoint. Um, uh, kind of cause people are encouraged to to think of themselves in terms of labels. You know, I want to be a fashion photographer. I want to be a commercial photographer, etc. I think I've I've, I've kind of you know, puzzled puzzled over that question, what do I want to be? And I think what I've decided is that predominantly if I were to give myself a label, it would be an art photographer, i.e. to carry on doing what I do. And if people in the commercial photography industry or fashion photography industry become interested in Miss Aniela and the style that she has or the style that they see in her work, then they get in touch with her. That's the kind of hope. Um, and it seems like so far that plan or lack of plan, um, has gone well because I, I, I'm instead of instead of identifying with a label, uh, and I've never really identified with a label before, so I don't see why I should, you know, try and pursue one. It's, it feels best to just do things that interest me, that appeal to me. I think the main thing is just to remain artistic and um, and also genuine about you know the stuff I might like to communicate in my work. Uh, for example, I, I would be more interested in working with companies that are interested in um companies that are that are uh, keen on green issues that are that are more eco in their approach to their business i would be more interested in promoting and doing work for those kind of companies than the more mainstream companies um because i feel that would be more genuine for for my own kind of e- my own kind of ethics in life so i think just remaining genuine and creative and 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 interesting and wherever that takes me hopefully that will allow me to keep to to remain, um, you know, to to be able to make a living and to be able to be satisfied as well. I noticed that some of your images on your account uh, include subject matter that isn't you. 
Um, how much? <laughs> how much of this is increasingly becoming uh, a body of your work? Um, well, yeah, you probably are seeing the kind of a recent fashion shoot that I did, and that's an example of me kind of dipping my toe into somewhere else. You know, not necessarily expecting miracles. I'm not. You know, it's, it's, one thing about doing self-portraits is that it does a little bit, in a way, close you off from doing other things. Um, at least with me, I feel like um, it makes it not necessarily difficult to take pictures of other people, but it makes it kind of you kind of wonder if it can feel the same as taking self-portraits, and if you can get the person to do something that you would be able to do in your self-portraits. Um, so I've tried taking pictures of other people and I've enjoyed it and I show you know a little selection of it on my site and hope that people like them and people do come forward and congratulate me on doing something else and say they like it which is encouraging um and in terms of fashion you know I I enjoy doing the shoot with a stylist and a hairstylist and a makeup artist and all the full team that I don't usually work with um I do question myself as to what kind of the meaning of certain fashion images are and I do want to put something that's a little bit more profound in there I don't know if I've necessarily succeeded yet in my attempts but then again it's just playing you know it's just experimenting um and hope the aim really is to just build keep building images that keep practicing and keep producing a portfolio of images that can show that you know I do I can open my mind up to other things and I and, and I am happy to do that and you know, there's some things that you can't do as a model yourself. There's some you might have an idea, and you really do need a model to be able to express that idea because you might be underwater or you know something really ambitious where you just couldn't be the model and the photographer at the same time. So yeah, definitely being remaining open-minded is is one of my kind of um, you know an important thing to me. And how do you feel working with a model with another subject matter in terms of creating these photographs? Do you find it particularly challenging or do you find that your efforts in terms of self-portraits have really helped you in terms of drawing something out of the of the model um i find it i find it challenging i find it it's good to kind of learn watch other photographers at work and and see how they communicate with their models i think the main thing that i'm kind of because when you do self-portraits you don't have to give any verbal verbal direction so you don't become very experienced at being able to do that. So I think in taking pictures of other people, you forget sometimes that you can direct the person. You know, you really... It's nice to capture... I think one thing I do enjoy, though, with models is capturing their kind of candid moments because sometimes when they're posing, they might not be good enough. Really, they look self-conscious or... It's nice to catch those candid moments. But when you do want someone to do something, you know, taking that plunge to be able to say, OK, I want you to flick your hair and I'm going to catch you kind of you know moving um so it, it does take a bit of time to get over that um breaking the ice in that way and being able to direct the model um but I find it I find it challenging to then present the picture as well and feel like you know the picture is my work sometimes it feels like you haven't applied maybe your your stamp to the image or, or you wonder if you've just taken an image of that was a mere record of what this model looked like on the day. And it takes a bit of, well, it's the whole mystery of photography, the whole mystery of art, really, as to what makes that image yours, what makes it your work. And I think a lot of the time it's, well, it's a mixture of things. It could be the lighting or it could be 
um, to do with the movement, or just the timing, or even even a, a bit of luck involved as well. But so many different elements that again make me ponder on the whole, you know, scene of photography and and where the satisfaction lies. How can I get that image that makes me feel like I'm really satisfied? And I think it I think it's harder with any model, with yourself or or any other subject. It's a big mystery of photography. Well, my last question is: I like to ask the guest to suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover or explore and it can be anyone someone that you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that be for you and why mm, um well i've met quite a few artists through the internet um through Flickr and you know what have you all the different places that people are sharing their work um i mean one artist i have met actually through uh, the internet and really admire artistically uh, is an artist called Rosina Bossio, who is originally from Colombia and now lives in France. And she is kind of a, she's a, you could call her a photographer, but she works with other media. She works with painting and, and, and drawings and she presents exhibitions of all three. Um, she's somebody I met last year and collaborated with. And really enjoyed our time together. I really felt like I already knew her before I met her. And that's one of the magic powers of of, of the internet and the whole social networking scene. And we've remained in in in, um, in close touch since then. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting because our styles are kind of different. Um, and yet we we admire the same kind of things and we agree a lot on things. And even the things we don't agree on, we kind of find a common ground in 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 our discussion and being able to talk with each other on what we like and and we like each other's work even though they're very you could say very different so yeah Rosina Bossio you might like to interview next well thank you for that suggestion and thank you so much for appearing on the show best of luck with all your photographic endeavors thank you very much and um yeah if you want to check out the the new live book site it's uh where you'll find information about the mailing list and also the promo code if you'd like to get 10% off your own site. Um, but yeah, check it out and, and give me feedback as well. It's always something I am very welcome, very open to receiving because uh, I want to keep improving it and keep improving the connectivity with my viewers. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for asking me very interesting questions. Thank you for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please drop me a line at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. You can also join the growing community of photographers who follow the show through Facebook, Twitter, and Flickr. Links to each can be found on the blog. And if you haven't already, check out the listener photo of the week that I post on the blog each week from the Flickr pool. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.